You're listening to New York's only home for reefer madness. Every week, we'll explore the unique perspective of cannabis in the global hub of commerce and culture. Hear the insights, stories, challenges, and successes of those blazing a path from Brooklyn to Buffalo and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Kalen Kassetter, coming to you from the Green Valley of Opportunity, Binghamton, New York. This is the Empire State of Cannabis. Welcome to another week of Empire State of Cannabis. We've got a great guest for you today. Some people call him the hammer. Some people call him Jason Menard, but he is the general counsel, in-house counsel for Empire State Growers, Mm -hmm. CEO of Menard's Family Farm, managing member of Menard Law. Welcome to the show, Jason. Pleasure. Thank you, Caitlin, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting perspective here, right? Because you're a farmer and you're a lawyer, right? So I think Almost every farmer could use a lawyer, and you are a lawyer, so that's excellent. But you also are the general counsel for uh, Empire State Growers. Why don't you tell us a little about Empire State Growers, because it is an impressive operation. Thank you. Empire State Growers is a cooperative in the Hudson Valley. We grew and successfully harvested 200 acres of CBD hemp uh, cured, and we are staging it for processing and we are processing to full spectrum distillate currently. We can do isolate, crude, and we do some flour out of state and to processors. Awesome, dude. How many how many acres did you guys grow last year? We grew 200. 200, 200 and that's, that's across all the farms? That's across all the farms, uh, predominantly on about five farms. Gotcha, and you were one of those five larger farms? Yes, we did 12 acres at my family. Acres. So is your family farm. So what do you guys normally grow? Apples, right? That's your primary apples. crop? Yeah. Apples. Born and raised on a 500-acre apple farm. In it my whole life, apples. No shit. That's awesome. And so you guys have a lot of people come by. What, what's the main driving source of revenue? I mean, you, you sell the apples. Do you, you, do you make cider? Yeah, I know you've got the corn maze. So what's up? Yes, yeah, sell a lot of apples wholesale. Uh, we have an agritourism operation. I started in 2015, drive some traffic. Uh, a family friend and cousin has a cider mill under the Minor Beverage Company brand that's in a lot of the big box retail stores. Hmm. So yeah, it was good. We did hemp tours last year. It was exciting. People love this plant, get real excited, real ramped up. So it was excellent. Thanks. Yeah, man. So where exactly are you located? You're like, you pretty much can see your farm off the thruway, right? Is that yes, correct? Uh, very close to Newports, exit 18 off the New York State thruway, about an hour and 15 minutes north of New York City. Awesome. Yeah. So I bet a lot of uh, the listeners and viewers have probably drove past it, at least have not, you know, stopped in to visit. So that's really cool, man. So, you know, to get into kind of, um, you know, some of the the major issues that, that face farmers, right? How, why do you think is so important to have counsel, good counsel representing you if you're getting into the cannabis industry here, farmer or whatever kind of business? The hemp industry right now is a bit immature and heavily regulated at this point from growing, processing to retail sales. Uh, You don't want to go it alone. Uh, You can get jammed up very, very easily, especially in the hemp game. Yeah. So some people say that contracts worth the paper that it's written on, right? Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree with that for the most part. I think the contract 
is a starting point for honesty, integrity, and follow through, and is a bit of leverage, especially in this industry. However, litigation is very, very costly, and it's very helpful to have the mindset to avoid litigation. Yeah, so, so basically, you do, go ahead. I'm finding sorry. good actors, right? I mean, that's what you're saying. You got to find good people to work with. 100%. Look for integrity, good values, and people that follow through. So tell me a little bit about your partners, you know, the Hepworths, they have that integrity, right? And I mean, they're, they're known and, and how, how is it like working with them? hundred percent, uh, great individuals, twin sisters, Amy and Gail Hepworth from Hepworth Farms, seventh generations. Uh, they had the vision to start Empire State Growers, um, very, very hard workers, hard driving organization. Uh, very big picture oriented, doing things to scale efficiently, and very big on the workforce. Uh, equity among the workforce for all the workers, all through the chain. That's that's admirable, and that's great. So, what had you been working with them before you decided to endeavor into hemp? Or walk me through that. We got very close very fast. Uh, I know who they are, knew who they were. And um, Amy and I, you know, started talking and it was an interesting story. It was a week before planting. You know, I had attended some conferences, some meetings, got to know a little bit about the hemp space. And I texted her and said, you know, I'd like to get involved. You know, can I get an acre of plants? Next thing you know, she came on the farm, went to five acres, went to 12 acres, spread it over two farms. And it's been one hell of a ride. Um, I wouldn't do it with anyone else. Uh, it's been very enjoyable. Uh, you get in, you get out what you put in. Let me say yeah, that. Definitely. I mean, you know what I say too, if nothing else, I mean, sometimes you don't make money in this industry, but you can make some very valuable lifelong friendships and some great experiences. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the goal for everyone is to be successful. The goal is to make money, right? But you only live once, right? You only have this one chance to have these experiences. And it's important that you have good experiences. There's a lot of people in the hemp industry and the New York hemp industry that you can, you know, start to, uh, to work with and they're just not going to make it enjoyable, right? You're going to end up spending a lot of money on attorneys, going to litigation, yelling back and forth, going back, you know, so how would you advise someone to avoid you know, I mean, you, in a lot of ways, are fortunate to have a good group to work with. And there's power in numbers, right, with the, the collective you got there. And, but what would you give as advice, you know, to someone who's had a, a rough time of it, right? Maybe they've dealt with some of these big companies that have screwed them over or small people have screwed them over and lied to them. The advice I would give is do your homework. Always do your homework. Start mm -hmm. small. Believe it or not, if Coca-Cola wanted to put CBD in drinks globally, they would only need 200 acres of hemp. So that's a pretty sobering thought right there. Yeah, it is. No, that is a very sobering thought because, you know, you hear this, well, if we go to food, we go to beverages, all this hemp gets freed up and everything. But I mean, geez, how many acres of hemp do you think were really grown nationally last year beyond the, the reported numbers? What do you think? Well, New York had 560 licensed growers with 14,000 acres planted. And nationally, I would defer to you on that. Um, yeah. I do look up to you, Kaylin. Uh, as you know, when I started out, I reached out to you and you were very, very helpful, insightful, 
because uh, you had a similar model. And um, I thank you for that. I appreciate that, Jason. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And I think that, I mean, beyond the fact that there's probably way too much growing in New York, I mean, nationally, there's definitely a lot grown. And, I, you know, start small and make goals, right? That's why I tell people, it's like, if the only thing you get out of it is the understanding of how to grow cannabis or how not to grow cannabis, you know, that's some pretty valuable lessons, especially if you're looking to get into adult use. So is that part of the overall goal is to also bring this idea of a collective and a co-op and power numbers to adult use so that, you know, you can drive small craft growers. We talked about this last week with Michael Casper, where we said, can small guys compete, right? Do you think small guys compete in your opinion? In my honest opinion, I think if you do it well, there's opportunity to compete, but you have to develop the markets. You have to have the end sale in mind when you put it in the ground. You have to have the big picture, and you have to be able to be fluid and pivot. When we started, we were going to grow just for biomass, and it's no secret biomass prices tanked. They're at about a tenth of what they were last year at this time. Yeah. So we pivoted into the realization that we were going to have to get into processing, which was always a goal. And we have a great team with some great science minds. So we pivoted. Uh, we got an extractor on site. We have the ability to go to THC free. Uh, and like I said earlier, full spectrum distillate. But to keep the money flowing, we had to pivot also into flower sales, uh, which is a very, very gray area. In February of this year, after legalizing hemp in New York, the Department of Ag put out a memo that the sale of dried hemp flour in state was illegal. So we had to get creative, and the only flour sales that can take place are to out of state players or to anyone with a processing license. And what do you think about that? I mean, you're an attorney, you studied the RPA. Was this guidance, is that within the you know, even legal purview that the department has. I mean, and how, how does this create a unequal system of your research partner and you're not, so we're not going to regulate you, but we're going to regulate the research partner. How much of a problem is that creating? It's certainly a hurdle to overcome. Uh, we hold ourselves to high standards. We take every provision of the research partnership agreement for growing and processing very, very seriously. Uh, I lost many nights sleep over it. Yeah. And we try to honor it as best as we can, but at the same time, be a fluid business organization and stay true to our goals and our roots. And when you look nationally, there's only about four, maybe five states that have banned flower sales. So in my humble opinion, New York is at a disadvantage and it's not ideal for well, your average isn't, isn't this crazy though? New York doesn't ban flower sales. They ban the research partner from selling flower, right? Correct. So 100%. if you're a a retailer, you're fine with selling flour. If you're a non-research partner, if you're just a distributor, right? Uh, or a broker, you're fine with selling flour and you have no regulations. So that's really tough. And I think a lot of it is the research partner agreement was not meant for the industry that in the marketplace that's set up now, right? We've grown out of it. But I think it's important that the state evolves, right? 
And I mean, I guess the ag and markets, they would say their hands are tied on flour, right? Because it's not a GMP product. How can they, you know, make sure it's safe, et cetera. But do you think now beyond a legal perspective, do you think there's any logical reason, scientific reason, public safety reason to not allow the sale of flour to the consumer? I think it 100% should be legal, Kalen. I, I stand by it. Um, it comes from a plant. It's natural. Uh, you can buy cigarettes if you're 18 years old, 21 years old, anywhere you want, and they are killing people every day. So something that's very healthy for your biological systems, the endocannabinoid system, I see no logical reason to ban this. The only reason folks point to is that police force can't decipher between actual marijuana and hemp. But with legalization on the horizon, for me, it was premature for New York to ban the sale of flour in February. Yeah, absolutely. So do you now under the hemp extract law, it's almost intentionally vague on the sale of flour. So within that framework, do you think there's an ability for flour to be sold under the regs or because there's been this debate, well, well, the law doesn't allow flour, but it doesn't not allow flour too, right? And NYCGPA was very careful to keep that, make sure that, you know, that, you know, vagueness existed so that the, the regulations could get it right. But I mean, you've, you've studied the bill. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's an ability to set up a, a good market for flour in New York? That's a great point, Kalen. And, you know, I think it stresses the point that it's not codified. You know, New York came out with the law, Governor Cuomo signed it this past December, and the law does not ban the sale of flour. That law does not speak to it. However, it was this memo from the Department of Ag, and yes, I'm sure there are public policy reasons, but at the end of the day, I wrestle with this. I certainly wrestle with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me too, I think, and a lot of producers too, because like you said, the flower market actually is booming. The flower market, in all honesty, is where the margins are right now. If you're a small craft grower or a small family farm, trying to make a profitable go of hemp farming right now in the year 2020. I just don't see how you're going to make a go of it without having flour in your diversified operation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so let's talk more about the hemp extract law. It's tough. The regulations are tough. They're pretty stringent. You know, as a processing operation, getting GMP is not easy. It's not cheap, right? Is it too much? I, they're designed to create a safer, more consistent product for the end user, for the consumer, which I applaud. Uh, yes, GMP is very costly to achieve, very costly to implement. There's only probably a dozen companies throughout the nation that have achieved GMP for processing in hemp. Um, proud to say we are one of them, as you are. Congratulations for your manufacturing operation, Empire. Uh, looking forward to working together in the future on that. Um, so I think it's a good thing overall for New York. It sets a national standard. It's one of the most comprehensive laws throughout the nation when it comes to hemp. However, to a certain extent, until the FDA regulates, I do think that it does put New York operators processing at a slight disadvantage at this time. Yeah. We just can't compete with folks out West selling full spectrum distillate for $600 a liter. 
our cost yeah. of goods sold far exceeds that. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, absolutely. When especially when you consider if you bought the product or you grew the hemp and or you bought the product the hemp at a reasonable price and you were fair to the farmers, your cost of goods is is far exceeds that sale price. Six hundred dollars, man. I'll tell you, when I got in the industry, they were selling kilos of isolate for fifteen thousand dollars. Scary and another sobering thought. Yeah, but again, man. not a pivot. I mean, that this is farming, folks. This is farming. Um, yeah, this is how it's always been. It's how it's always going to be. And to a certain extent, I like the challenge. I I think it's good. I think it's healthy. Um, I think the competition's healthy. I think it makes better products, safer products. Yeah. A friend of mine always says pressure makes diamonds, right? And so what you're creating is tough New York business owners and farmers here because adult use, that's not going to be easy either. <laughs> when you think <laughs> these regulations are tough or stringent, adult use are going to be pretty crazy. Um, and so, so you make it a good point, right? The standards need to go national. We need the FDA involved, right? So I got the uh, HR 5587. I don't know if you had a chance to look at this, but it's a pretty simple bill, right? And so it's sitting yes. in a committee right now and they're playing politics, right? So you got Colin Peterson. He introduces he's a Democrat in a tough race in Minnesota. Republicans don't want to give him a win. And then McConnell's out in the Senate and, you know, he might support it, but maybe the Democrats don't want to give him a win. No one wants to give Trump a win. What, who is it hurting here, Jason? It seems like it's hurting me and you. Certainly. It's, it's hurting the farmers, the processors, right on down the line. And it's also hurting the consumers because there's going to be weeding and processing. Um, some very good growers and processors with integrity are going to fall. Um, it's going to be like natural selection, unfortunately. Uh, the pandemic is certainly not helping matters. Uh, yeah. Supply chain, even sourcing supplies uh, to launch our retail line uh, has proved a bit challenging. But again, uh, challenge is good. Pressure makes diamonds. Yeah, absolutely. So the hemp extract law, as you know, last year, this isn't the version that was passed by Assemblywoman Lupardo, right? And the biggest thing that we heard from national groups was that it, the protectionist, quote-unquote protectionist language violates the Commerce Clause. I know you're not a constitutional attorney, but give me your thoughts on that. I don't like it at all. Uh, in my humble opinion, um, some folks with some deep pockets wanted to come play in New York. And unfortunately, they won. Their arguments carried the day. And bottom line is the original hemp extract law provided that only hemp grown in New York could be utilized in processing uh, CBD tinctures, et cetera, that would be sold in New York. Uh, it was fought quite hard by some other interest groups elsewhere throughout the nation. And they won. You can't win them all. No, I guess you can't, right? You just keep fighting. I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, this is New York. And it's the thing. We talk about New York tough. We talk about this, this, and that. It's because New Yorkers, we know, we know how to get it done. We know how to get it done, whether it's a farm upstate or whether it's, you know, on Wall Street, right? In Manhattan, there's no other place in the world like New York. We talk about this every single episode. There's something unique about New York in every way, shape, or form. So 
Now let's look at the, the federal side because you know, New York was playing catch up and the 2018 farm bill passed. And what do you saw? Every single article, hemp is legal. Hemp is legal. We have this promise. This is going to be great, et cetera. Do you think the promise that, you know, Mitch McConnell and, you know, certain trade groups and everyone pushed forward that this is all going to be great. What, what do you think happened? Because it's the top, it's young. You're right. But some things didn't really come through the way we wanted it to. My opinion, the trains left the station and it's time for folks to regulate. CBD mm. is absolutely everywhere from your corner gas station. In all honesty, there could be piss in those bottles. The yep. FDA did a study and recently and over 50% of the tinctures out there that they studied uh, did not have accurate CBD levels, THC levels, downright scary. And that's what the New York hemp extract law is striving to alleviate. Um, labeling, third-party testing. Uh, in launching our retail product line, I can tell you firsthand that the labeling requirements in New York and the research partnership agreement are far more excessive than even the FDA labeling guidelines. Yeah. So, yeah. Here we are. It's taking a gold standard. You got Florida that did very similar regulations, right? So you've got two out of the top four most populous states in the country putting these regulations in. You know, you talk about California. Who knows? California, they're they're still trying to figure out their adult use cannabis market. They don't want hemp, et cetera. Texas, I mean, geez, we don't want to get into Texas, right? So (laughs) at least you got New York and Florida leading the way. And really only these two states can do it. Vermont can't come out and say, we're going to have the strictest, you know, standards because these companies are going to say, we're just not going to sell there. You can't say you're not going to sell in New York. And I think that's why we got a lot of pushback in the original hemp extract bill because it's such a coveted marketplace. Right. So, you know, you still got it done. That's the key. New York cannabis growers and processors association. You guys did a hell of a job, you know, and hopefully in the future I can help you guys push this over the finish line. Absolutely. And, and thanks. And, you know, we talk about someone with Donald Pardo a lot, but Senator Jen Metzger in the Senate who covers your district down there, right? She was instrumental and she was talking to, you know, Empire State growers and growers on there and realized this needs to get done, right? And so fortunately, every other cannabis bill didn't get done last year. We didn't see medical expansion. We didn't see adult use, but we did see hemp extract bill. I think it passed the assembly at like 6 a.m. We talked about this with Donna. Like 6 a.m. was one of the last bills to get called to the floor and it passed. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty great. You know, so New York has gotten it right a few times. Where do you think New York's really got it wrong? And it's not just, I mean, like in the guidance and stuff, but where do you think in developing the law from the beginning, writing these research partner agreements, because it's very hard to change things once you do it. Where do you think they could have had, and hindsight's twenty twenty. but where do you think they could have had a little more foresight in developing some of these uh, laws and regulations? I think the research partnership agreements, to a certain extent, are a little overburdensome. They tie your hands to a certain extent. I mean, if you're going to comply with every aspect of it, you better have an attorney on staff. You better study that agreement and you better follow through in everything that it says. I mean, where it falls short, um, you know, I'm not one to point out weaknesses. Uh, The one thing I will say is on the processing end. Again, until the FDA regulates and the FDA mandates that all CBD come a G, from a GMP facility, it's going to be hard to compete. I'm not going to candy coat this for anybody. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and they need to get their act together. Politics aside, they need to get it done. You know, you can have a lot of thoughts on why the FDA is slow walking it. Then the day money talks, right? I think that's what it comes down to. And, and, and it's definitely, it's unfortunate. So what is HSG doing looking at other markets? I know you mentioned the export markets. What, what do you see in there? And I mean, I know we see that with the novel foods, et cetera, they want to see federal regulation. So is there an ability for you to access foreign markets right now? Well, the first thing we need is we need this Peterson bill to move through. Um, we need CBD to be regulated as a dietary supplement. Uh, because the EU recognizes the GMP facilities in the U.S., uh, so we are seriously looking into the novel food designation. Very, very costly process. Um, on average, it costs about $500,000 to see it through and takes about a year or two. Interesting thing there is in the U.K., um, only CBD that has been approved for the novel food designation will be on the shelves. A year from now yeah so again it's going to weed out the weaker players and the more serious folks are going to come to the table with that being said um you know fingers crossed hopefully empire state growers is one of them yeah absolutely so how can someone support empire state growers how can we buy your products website etc why don't you give us a little information so we got empirestategrowers.com uh, is the website, uh, general overview on the farm, our farm values, our founders, our core team, our processing extraction facility. Uh, so you can check out the website there, learn a little bit more about us. The retail line will be launched here in about another five, six weeks. Uh, so you can support us in that way. We're going to be opening a retail shop at our main farm. Uh, Hepworth Farms on 9W in Milton in New York. So it'll be an educational hub. Folks can learn about CBD, what it does for the body. You know, you're not allowed to make medical claims, as we all know. Um, but education is always the key. And um, it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal what CBD, what this plant can do for the human body. And it's a pretty scary thought that med schools we're not even teaching the endocannabinoid system. It's unbelievable. And you're right. Education is key. Education is key. Jason, I got one more question for you. Yes, sir. Why the hammer? The hammer. Uh, hammer is symbolic to me. Um, the hammer keeps going, always gets it done, uh, despite all odds, challenges, whatever the hammer faces, it comes down on. Oh, yeah. I love it. So there you go. You got the hammer. Jason Menard, he's the real deal. This is the guy. Check him out. LinkedIn, Facebook, Empire State Growers. Um, you got tenacity, toughness, intelligence, all in one, man. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Kalen. Look forward Absolutely. to a bright future. Be Definitely. well, sir. Thank you, man. And so the, the episode is going to keep getting better every single week. So tune in, subscribe, let me know your questions, thoughts. You need, you see someone that wants to be on the show that should be on the show. Let me know, uh, connect with us. So, uh, see you next week on Empire State of Canvas.